0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Trends and Things, where we bring you real chats on what's buzzing. On today's app, we're honestly wondering why two women of colour have been the only ones named and shamed publicly for breaching COVID rules. So, we're chatting about what happened and why it's a problem. And secondly, a TikTok ban looks like it might be on the horizon, all in the name of national security. So, is that a little xenophobic or is it a necessary security measure? We're going to be chatting about all of that and much more. But as usual, you're joining joining. by Sydney Lads Gordon. That is me, Scotty. Welcome, mate. How are you? How's the weekend? I know you've been on a bit of a recovery mode mission since uh, Saturday evening. It's been quite a journey for you yeah mate. it's
1: it's interesting you would have that inside it would, would appear that maybe we had some shared plans or something but um look I've definitely been on the mend since Saturday and it's it's Tuesday now I'm I'm getting there I, I don't know how you're feeling are you dusty as well are you sort of back
0: on the um, 100% yeah well, look, I'm definitely feeling a bit dusty. It's maybe no coincidence that we're a day late in our podcast <laughs> this week. Um, but we will get we will get to that with our combined mad thing, which we we don't have too many of these days. But one thing I did want to mention, Scotty, it's exciting. We've been talking about this for a while, but merch show merch. It's finally here. We it are, took us about eight months. <laughs> well, we're two proud
1: daddies now. You know, we've got our little baby yeah. here that people can pick up, and we just want to share it with the world. So, hundred yeah. percent people to jump on and take a geese. There's, there's, a, there's a few things on offer there, you know?
0: There are a few things. I mean, T-shirts, we've got like, face masks, I think, even, you oh, know, got onto gorgeous. that train as well. So if you want to be sprouting the Trends and Tings logo whilst commuting to potentially work or somewhere else, by all means, uh, you can jump onto our merch store and purchase. But, yes, we will be chucking up all, and we have chucked up a few of our links on our socials, so go follow us there. For all of that info, but Scotty, a quick word on a few things before we get into Mm. our matching. Big news out of News Corp with old mate James Murdoch. He stepped down. It's been a a while coming with this, I think, in terms of his progression out of the company.
1: Yeah. Look, so he's resigned that he's, you know, stepped down from News Corp board over editorial choices, which, I mean, there's Mm. so many questions about editorial choices at News Corp. But his particular thing is the climate denialism over the bushfire season. So, um, you know, we had a pretty horrendous bushfire season and Murdoch press just kept on flogging. You know, it's not climate change, it's not climate change. And he's decided he's had enough and he's just jumped ship. Mm. So, you know, the great Murdoch empire is slowly, maybe crumbling. but we'll see what happens Mm. with old mate James when he uh, decides to move on to his
0: next thing. Yeah, it's almost like you can pick it from a few things with News Corp. You can pick the, the climate denialism with the bushfires. You know, during the start of COVID, I'm not sure if you remember, Scotty, but they were writing all types of like you know quite racist stuff on the front page of their you know newspapers and websites that associated with you know um, China and, and people mm-hmm. of Chinese heritage. You know, there's a there's a multitude of things old mate James Murdoch could have picked from. So you know, no surprise, I guess, that he's he's ended up jumping ship and and taking one, you know, just exiting the company altogether. Um, one thing that caught my eye actually in terms of the news cycle, everything's been going on because, you know, Scotty, remember when, when COVID was first here and we were like, fuck, the news is pretty much just 90% COVID. Like there was not yeah. much variety, right? Um, and a few things, one thing that's taken my, my eye is that obviously black lives matter is still, you know, there's a movement that's got a lot of momentum at the moment. It's maybe calmed down in a, in a way of, you know, quote unquote, in terms of like, you know, the racial unrest of being Mm. maybe a couple of months ago. Um, but one thing I have seen is obviously some sports, have you know taken to this quite strongly because you know we've seen in the EPL we've talked about that a bit players you know taking a knee before games wearing mm. Black Lives Matter patches on jerseys and in the NBA in the US and in rugby as well those seasons have just started to get back underway or just starting up again and a few of these players obviously you can imagine the NBA has a higher majority of uh, you know African American and, and black players so it's really been a a big thing for them over there um, but. I did notice that two players, one player in the NBA representing Orlando Magic um, and old mate Israel flower he just doesn't, <laughs> he can't say out of the news Israel. He really, he really can't. The, um, yeah. The only
1: time he's relevant again is when he's just disagreeing on some very fundamental like human issues. You know, it was mm. first with marriage equality. Now it's Black Lives Matter.
0: He's just picking the wrong side of history, I think. Oh, he does. And I mean, look, it, what I wanted to quickly have a chat about is just what do you think about this? Because both, basically, this guy from the Orlando Magic and Israel Flower both refused to take a knee during sort of like the moment of like taking a knee and having a moment of silence for Black Lives Matter um, and George Floyd during both a rugby game and a basketball mm. game. Is that like you know, and and, and by all means, uh, all accounts, like um, the, I can't remember the guy's name from Orlando Magic, but he was a, he's a black uh, a black player, and we got Israel Folau, who's obviously you know he's Australian, but he has some you know New Zealand and, and Maori heritage. So you know, two guys who you think would you know understand this, and I've I've seen some commentary about they're being tied to like Christian, uh, you know, values and associations mm. that would say that the black lives matter movement doesn't align with that. But what do you make of, what do you make of these guys standing up and, and not kneeling? Is there a problem with that? Is it okay? Where are you at with that? Yeah. Look, I think, I think ultimately it's okay
1: because it's their personal choice and it paints their character very well in the public eye. So, you know, when you look back on these moments and you see them stand up and protest, they're sort of standing up in protest on the wrong side of, of history on these issues. So they are kind of just digging a hole, you know, like people mm. aren't going to find them fondly. It's not particularly great for their personal brand. Well, I hope it's not great for their personal brand. Mm. Um, so look, they have the choice and I, it's, um, it's a little bit distressing. They choose not to you know, align themselves with the movement, but their choice, if they choose to do it, it you know, it, it sits with them in the end.
0: Mm. I think it, uh, the one thing I will say is that I think it's interesting to hear what they have to say. Like, I think everyone's allowed to do what they, whatever they like, mm-hmm. as long as there's some type of rational behind it, not just like, Oh, I didn't do it. Cause whatever, like I'm, I'm open to hearing what the conversation is about it. I know there's some controversial things that are aligned with the actual organization of black lives matter as a movement, as that, all. Mm. um, and Fair enough. Happy to have. I'm. I'm interested in hearing more about why people feel like they don't want to take a knee, or actual things they can do. Yeah. Um, or you know, I'm open to that. But I definitely. I mean, I think I've seen the reaction to both. You know, Israel Falau and um, this Orlando Magic player. This Orlando Magic player is like a is like a fringe player at best. His jersey <laughs> went to like number two behind LeBron James in terms of sales in some US basketball website, So you can tell there are people ready to back some of these more controversial things who don't agree with the movement. So I think that says you can read between the lines there, you know what I mean? But look, Scotty, let's jump onto our matching. And as mentioned uh, briefly earlier, it is a bit of combined one. So why don't you uh, tell us, tell our our friendly listeners what we, we have in store in terms of our combined matching this week.
1: Yeah. Look, you know, we're both very sensible people who like to, know have a dance with friends you know like you want people to have a good time you try and create that space for them and we had a little party we had a very appropriate covid safe party so we didn't break Mm. any guidelines there and um it was my first time up on the decks which was debuted it mate debut um can't recall what my dj name was on the night and you know let that be one for the history books we probably don't need to (laughs) recall it but uh, look, it was just a mad thing because despite all the uncertainty with COVID and all the stress that's kind of stemmed from it, we were able to kind of get together with a small bunch of very close friends um and just have a nice night together where we dance, um, caught
0: up and just had a small glimpse of what normally was, you know, mm. eight months ago. Yeah, look, I think it was one of those it was one of those things, right, where it was just a really fun time where, yeah, like you said, we were able to just mix I don't know, just that feeling of being out and about and, and then dancing with friends. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, it was so difficult because we, you know, we were pretty much abiding by all of the COVID safe rules, you know, having a strict amount of people. So we couldn't invite all our buddies, Um, you know, having hand sanitizer, having face masks, having, you know, no communal like uh, drinks and snacks and stuff. So it felt weird still. uh, But at the same time, so good, you know, so many people that we, that we caught up with were like, you know, it's so good to just, you know, be here and, and experience something of of pre COVID times a little bit. So yeah, look, it was a great moment and, and hopefully everyone's, you know, still able to see some of their mates with all the restrictions. Definitely thinking Mm. of everyone in Melbourne at the moment with, with everything going on down there, but Scotty, let's, Let's, let's move along to uh, what we are having for this week. You've got two tunes on two your radar. Tunes.
1: Yeah, and uh, both a little bit different. The first one is called Just a Phase by uh, Another Two, which are Sydney producers and Arno uh, Faji, who is in Perth and he was a Unearthed High winner a few years ago. And this is a track that has a real groove to it. Like... You, you hear it and it's got some like really light percussion some warm synth and Arno's vocals over the top and it's just groovy There's, I don't know mm. any better way to describe it it's just a really groovy track and anyone who's listened to Arno's other stuff he kind of has some very hard hitting like kind of like rap bangers and this is quite a deviation from that so
0: mm. um, big props to him for giving something a little bit different yeah, yeah. Um, one of those one of those things, Cody, actually it's funny because I saw this on our show notes when we were getting, when we were prepping. So fun fact about another two, because I actually know a little bit about them. Go, so yeah. Apparently they're from, I think the two guys that make up another two are from other parts of the I think one of them is from the US and one of them is from the UK or, or somewhere. Oh. But what they what happened was is that they met at a Bag Raiders, like, competition for like talent and stuff like that <laughs> so they met in australia and i think i don't even know where they're out of where they're based out of at the moment but uh, apparently they met in sydney or met in australia and now they're this duo that's like got some real momentum behind them apparently so i and wonder it's a if it was exactly a, um, really
1: is maybe like a shooting star competition maybe it was like when bag what? writers became really popular again probably um mm. but look a lot of talent between uh, a lot of talent behind this stuff and this is a really good tune to check out the second one is uh wash off by foals which is a coup remix and honestly it's something about foals who i find they're a great like indie kind of rock band but they always come out with these reworks of the stuff which delves mm. into like this edm or house or even like melodic house territory they've just kind of branched out quite a bit and with this particular track, it was actually part of a remix comp. So, uh, Ku here is like a fan. Uh, he's a producer himself, but he's like a fan who just got all the stems, oh. put together his own uh, spin on the track, and it won and got into the compilation. Um, and what he's done, uh, what they've done really is just stretch this out to make this more of like a sort of like this melodic uh, slow burn. So it doesn't really hit very hard. It kind of paces very nicely. And it just, it, it just got, it's just, it's got this nice momentum to it. And, um, mm. I re- recommend a listen. It's like six to seven minutes long. Um, and you could just rinse it on repeat and not know where the track starts and where the track ends. So recommend that two of my suggestions, but cool to also know you've got a few tracks up your sleeve for this week as well.
0: Yeah, I do. I have a couple of tracks. I wanted to mention one thing before I did. It was a TV show. It's got unsolved mysteries uh, it's yeah. on Netflix <laughs> great i mean it's a redo of like an older series and i've actually binged the whole thing um (laughs) i've done all i think eight episodes or whatever it is and apparently there's another eight coming very soon from from netflix look it's it's it's, again i keep continuing my theme of like murder mysteries and crime shit here um you know it's just like a really well done show i think the guys some guys who were involved with stranger things We're involved with the creation of this, and Mm. you will definitely get that vibe with when you start to watch it. They're basically like 50-minute episodes-ish, and they deal with like one unsolved case or like something that's happened that people, you know, maybe can't prove or you don't have the exact answers for already. And I think the beauty of it is the way it's told, the way they filmed it it makes you go down the rabbit hole, you know, like I'm on Reddit after every one of these episodes <laughs> trying to find out all the theories. And, you know, I feel like I watch the episode for like 50 minutes and I'm on Reddit for like two hours trying to find out like all the hidden clues and shit like that. And that's the sign of like a, a good, you know, murder mystery type mm. of show, or maybe it's a sign that I'm just a bit, I'm a bit crazy myself, but um, great show. Very highly recommended. The two tracks I wanted to mention quickly, Firstly, I mean, look, we're just going to do every song from Disclosure until they release their album. 100 But um, Do Our Mali Mali by Disclosure featuring Fatumata, Um Diawara, great track. I mean, Scotty, I'm sure you've heard of this uh, and you've, you've given it a few rinses already, but mm. strong Afrobeat, continues that high energy vibe from all of their tracks thus far. If anything, they do have a bit more of a... This is a bit more of a chill vibe compared to their, some of their previous stuff. That gives you... Yeah an idea of how much energy they're really putting into this, um, but a super positive vibes and, and energy. And of course we know, um, Fadumata from, uh, Ultimatum, which is another great disclosure track. So good to see yes. her back on there. Uh, and then a bit more of a track for like some of, you know, obviously we mentioned Scotty. you played a great set on the weekend. I jumped on the decks as well. It's a bit of a trends and things, duo there for a bit uh, on the decks. Almost a (laughs) back-to-back. Almost a B2B, but look, one song is a bit more down that sort of producer area, and it's a song called Lights on the Headland by Roland Tings. We had a chat about him on the weekend and how he's such Mm. a good local, Australian-based, Sydney-based artist, and he's just a great producer. So this track is the way the, the way i would describe it it's like you're walking through an augmented reality rainforest does that make sense i don't know probably right, not but it's okay. like the sounds are very like not fami- they're very familiar to rolling things like random birds chirping and like you know that's still that house edm beat mm. um, but just very well produced it sounds like not much is going on but if you broke it down, there's, you can you there's just heaps, pick apart right? fun bits. Yeah. yeah. So much happening. So a big plus for that. Uh, but Scotty, you, you know, where can people find all of our stuff? If they want to watch, listen, or give this stuff a play. Yeah. Look, if you
1: want to listen to our Spotify playlist, make sure you go and look at trends and things, dash what we're vibing. But we've also got a link tree happening. So on our Instagram, if you go onto our profile, you'll be able to see our link in our bio, which links to everything that we recommend on our weekly uh, episodes.
0: Yeah, I'm just uh, pushing the buttons and going back and forth. Like, Scotty, so topic one this week, and it's an interesting one. We obviously mentioned at the start of the show covid is i mean it's not going anywhere right it's not going anywhere fast and where we're seeing you know second waves of magnitude like i guess not magnitude but big performance in victoria that's really hurting them down there and we're seeing some you know replication of that in new south wales queensland and and this story that we're focusing on is in queensland so scotty let me recap it for you quickly in just case anyone's listening is not too sure but Basically last week, three girls from Brisbane went to a COVID hotspot in Melbourne, right? So we know that it's pretty hectic over there at the moment. They went to a party down there uh, and basically on their way back to, um, you know, coming home to Queensland, um, they tried to avoid all screenings. They, you know, misled authorities, apparently, when coming back, um, including lying on their border declaration forms, right? So it's pretty, Mm. you have to say it's a pretty serious crime and, and set of things that they've committed here in terms of, you know, just how crazy everything is with COVID right now and the fact that Australia is trying to manage a pretty serious, you'd have to say, second wave across the country, right? So pretty serious allegations. Anyway, um, since coming back two of the three girls uh were diagnosed to have covid so they've obviously contracted it probably whilst they're you know down there in victoria um they're all in quarantine at the moment um but two of the girls are 21 and one is 19 now they've each been charged with one count of fraud and one count of providing false or misleading documents under the public health act right so just, the serious allegations are just you know notching up and stacking on here right and it's believed that whilst these girls you know when they came back to Queensland, they visited schools, restaurants, apparently a medical center as well, which you know you can imagine there are obviously sick people there mm. it's controversial to say the least, um while they had the virus
1: yeah, look, so I heard about this last week, and I know we want to talk about this in quite a bit of depth, but I think i I don't have a lot of sympathy for them. At, at the moment, you know, like mm. you know, COVID's been such a shit song for a lot of people, and as a country, we're trying to manage not having a second, like you know, not being the US where they have you know thousands pounds of of death and, and cases mm. that come daily. Um, so, look, I get they've done the wrong thing, and they're facing legal consequence. Um, and the I know the part we'll kind of delve into is the fact that they've seen sort of been publicly named, right. You know, like of mm-hmm. the many sort of people that have done the wrong thing, they're probably the only ones. I think they're the only ones, right.
0: Yeah, um, look, there's definitely, there's definitely some scope in terms of who who else has been named mm. and who else has been shamed in the, in the sense of n- just names being released, which yeah. will obviously come to in a second. But like you mentioned, it's, it's definitely the naming and shaming of them was quite national and quite to the point where obviously, you know, they were, they were plastered all over the media mm on the front page of the courier mail. And we'll get to that in a second. The other things I wanted to mention very briefly was, you know, the fraud charges that they've been, um, you know, that have been implemented on them carries sort of a maximum penalty of five years behind bars. So we're talking jail time here. And, a maximum fine of just under sort of fourteen thousand bucks. So for wow. you know two nineteen-year-old or two twenty-one-year-olds and a nineteen-year-old, you're looking at jail time, you know, a massive fine, and in a time where you know you're probably scrounging to keep all your cash yeah. together, right? So pretty pretty serious. And and where it gets worrying is is like you mentioned, right? They were. The only, they they were the only, in Brisbane's only print sort of newspaper, which is the Courier-Mail, they were Mm. printed and plastered across the front page. It was said that, you know, quote unquote, um, or to be exact, I think it was even an exact quote, they said enemies of the state um, (sighs) on the front page. And as we, obviously we saw the pictures of them, their full names were released. Um, I think there was even some more information about like their work and like some things like that. So quite a bit of personal information. Mm. And obviously we came to know that uh, these two pe- uh, two people, particularly who are at, at CASE or in, in this example, uh, we're both women of color. Um, and it, it sort of sparked this you know, I guess just this big melting pot of reaction and vitriol online. Now, I will admit to what you said. Right, I I'm very I find it very hard to feel sympathetic yeah. for these. Right, I, I'm. I absolutely feel sympathetic for the process, though. Like, I do, I think these guys should be thrown the book, and they should get the the punishments they they deserve. And I I don't think there's anything like to show that they won't get those punishments it's not like authorities have come out and said oh they're just you know they're they're young girls and blah 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 there hasn't been any sympathetic approach and I absolutely wouldn't have that approach either of course I think yeah yeah, the the process is the thing I'm angry with or, or that I feel like is lacks. There's a bit of a double standard because I think people right now are supercharged up, right? People mm. have so much uncertainty. So you know that when something like this breaks into the media, people are going to come for these for these girls. I can feel, I mean, obviously I personally can't guarantee it, but I have a strong inclination that it's very easy to search these guys on social media once the names came out they would have mm. seen images of them so people would know obviously know what they look like they would have had a hate mail and speech for days right for absolute days and again i'm not saying that they don't deserve to be you know feel the full like force of the law but at the same time putting out their their information and putting out all their details it just smacks of number one a double standard because you know there are obviously people who have done broken covid laws and we don't see them plastered on the front page of correct yes yeah. And, you know, it also just says to me, why are the only people that are put onto these front covers of a a newspaper and across all types of news uh, websites online to women of color? You know, I'm just like, it it made me It really took me back a bit. I'm not sure what it felt like for you, but it made me really go this sort of, you know, especially with all the Black Lives Matter stuff going on, it really drove home a point for me around the way that people of color are mentioned in the media.
1: Yeah, look, so it definitely took me back a bit seeing their names plastered because my first reaction is, you know, like, you know, what a bunch of idiots for flouting these restrictions and, you know, putting a whole state who, you know, Queensland had mm. kind of had COVID under control. And I think now they've got a new set of outbreaks. Mm. because people have kind of come over the border. So I don't really, I didn't have much sympathy for them in the case of I got caught, you know, cause especially cause two got tested, for um, sure. positive but then you know after I saw their names and faces on online and in print I thought for a second well actually I think they're the only names I've seen publicly you know coming out um, from COVID as people have been shamed for breaking the law and then you have to think about that a little bit more and you think oh actually they're also people of color it's such a weird double standard that we have here that um, of all the cases of all the people breaking the rules, whether it's the hotel, uh, sorry, hotel quarantines or people jumping the borders, the first instance that we've publicly shamed someone are two people of colour. And why is that? I think it is potentially a double standard we have in representing communities in this country, and we don't you know give it a second thought. You know, if there were, I imagine, of any other descent, they probably would have been publicly shamed. But if they were Anglo-Saxon, it would have been a um a private thing you know it would would being like mm. and i think i know uh, i know you researched a few cases of that happen around the country where it's like three people in logan for example uh, i think they jumped over mm. a border but you don't hear their names you don't hear
0: their identities. Yeah. So
1: it's totally yeah
0: and I agree the double standard point yeah and it's something that's happened or, you know, you mentioned those three guys who this has happened overnight, like, you know, this week where mm. these three guys have, you know, come into Queensland from, from Victoria. Admittedly, they apparently weren't from a hotspot. Like the girls were from, right. But obviously Victoria is sure. just, you can almost consider the whole state a hot, bit of a hotspot at the moment. Right. Um, and they came in, um, to the country. They again, lied on their border, um, sort of sheet, whatever you want to call it like that, mm. that's this uh, document the they to fill out. Yeah. Um, declaration. Yeah, and one of the three men now is is, is showing symptoms of COVID. Um, all three are currently waiting the results for coronavirus, and obviously are in lockdown. Mm-hmm. And. It, Again, this was a story that like like I mentioned, it's happened. We don't know the ethnicity of these guys. I mean, you can you can hesitate to guess, but I'll leave that to your digression as a listener. But you know, you you can imagine these stories, right? And although there are things that, you know, with with the two girls, for example, there was there was some commentary around the fact that um, one of the girls had been cooperating with with the police and with authorities around yeah. where she had been, places she had gone to, et cetera. And one of the other girls wasn't cooperating. Um, whilst, you know, maybe in this case, all the three people who are at fault are cooperating with authorities. What do you think about that? Because it, I was thinking about this the other day and I was thinking, is it, you know, for example, more of a, like, you know, this one of these girls isn't cooperating. Mm. I, I sort of think that makes it like, you know, somewhat justifiable because I've been in some Facebook groups where people have, you know, mainly white people, if I'm honest, I've come and come at me at groups saying these guys deserve, they deserve what they get. I have, I'm so unsympathetic for them. They deserve what they get. They should be named and shamed. It should be done. But then when, Articles like this name like talking about these three guys in, in Queensland coming back in from Victoria. Mm. When we was when people are saying, all right, should they not also deserve get the same treatment then? They're like, oh, but you know, it's different situation here. These guys are cooperating with authorities. They're, you know, blah, blah, blah. Is that fair? Or am I being too harsh? Or is what are your thoughts on that one?
1: No, I think it's um it's all this gymnastics of opinions people have where you know, they apply one set of rules to one example and then completely backflip when something else happens. Like if you're going to, um, go with this name and shame angle, it's going to be a blanket thing. And I sort of like, you know, the, the more COVID progresses and the more, um, people flout these sort of like restrictions and just don't abide by them. I kind of (laughs) am slowly delving into this mindset of name and shame them all. Um, but I also understand the repercussions of publicly putting someone's name up there because you can look them up, you can't send them hate. And there's a bit of backlash, mm. but I think, yeah, I think you can't just cherry pick who you're going to say, well, shame these people, but we won't shame these other people. Cause of course media might say that of co- these people are um, cooperating with police, but that's only one statement you've heard, you know, how do you know mm. the full scope of what's happened? So yeah. I think, um, I just don't agree with, you can say, Shane, these two girls from Queensland, um, and then not everyone else who's done the same, exactly the same thing in other parts of the country.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I'm definitely, I think it's one of those, with, with the way that it's been reported, I think it's almost more of a media issue, right? Because mm. I think if the media came out and said, reported some of these other guys, you know, breaching COVID rules in the same way they did with these, with these girls, we i feel like maybe people would also come after them in a similar way right because i had to really do some digging right, right. This, in prep for this this episode to find some articles referencing names and stuff i'm not going to read out any names because i'm a believer that you know with something like this it's People, you know, should not be named and shamed, but you know. So I'm not going to read out any names, but I will read out some of the people who have who have breached the rules, right? And this is from an ABC News article, right? So we have sure. there's a New South Wales couple, right? They escaped jail after they admitted to breaching the laws, right? So they were refused entry uh, into the state, into New South Wales, um, after coming in, uh, you know, from. A place north of Adelaide, um, you know, they were basically found that they were breaching the rules, right? So that's mm-hmm. one couple breached the rules. These two guys were named in this article, and they're in they're in their twenties, right? Then we had a 46 year old uh, Mount Gambier truck driver who appeared in court accused of hiding in a stowaway in his truck last week, right? <laughs> okay. So his, his case <laughs> has been adjourned and stuff, and who knows what his what his result will be? Like, just think about that you're you're hiding in your truck and you to come into a state, right? Oh. you're like physically high, like that in in some senses, maybe that's even worse like you're you're literally going to your utmost to, you know, hide yourself in a vehicle yeah. to get away from the authorities. I mean, it's very hard to make a case for what's worse and stuff, but even, this is this is one as well, there's one other um, another guy who was granted bail for allegedly brief uh, breaching self-quarantine rules. So there's, there's, there's people breaking the rules left, right and center, right? But mm. you can't find these people. You can't find them on front pages of newspapers. You can't find them on major news outlets across the country. And even, you know, this week, and not so much of a, co- um, a a breach of you know quarantine rules. There was mm-hmm. this story, right, Scotty, where a police officer in Victoria allegedly brutally bashed by an, uh, a woman in in Victoria who they basically approached her for not wearing a mask, and this thirty eight year old woman bashed this police officer up, which is insane. You know, brutally. Where, where's the news? I, I mean, you could you definitely have heard more about the two girls than you have about this person who is basically assaulted a police officer for not wearing a fucking mask are you serious yeah look
1: the more thing about the the thing that's also different between the two girls who have been named and every other person is this age gap as well so you know the other part of this narrative I keep hearing is um young people are just not realizing the extent of covid and they're not respecting the restrictions and uh respecting the impact Mm. that they have And so part of me thinks the reason why these girls were shamed, I mean, one element potentially is because they're people of colour, but I think the other part is because they're young, that's sort of the, you know, they made examples of, so other young people know that if they mess up as well, they might get the same treatment. That's something that kind of just rolls through my head because everything I hear uh, around COVID um, and restrictions is, young people are socializing too much. Young people are having 60 people plus parties and young people are doing X, Y, Z. You know, it's like the older generation saying, Oh damn it. COVID's a result of young people just, you know, uh, fooling around too much.
0: Mm, Yeah. It's a very good point actually, because I think, you know, if you look at places like I know certain news corp titles, we're also publishing a lot of the details, a lot of the images, and it's almost like a trifecta for news corp, right? Mm. Young, female woman of color like that like that sort of like takes a few boxes for them in terms of like the coverage it gets right like yeah the, we're not the, necessarily surprised
1: <laughs> the editor probably saw the information and just like just had like an orgasm like oh god this is good <laughs> this is
0: front page i gotta get this <laughs> have to get this up. This is going to get me a pay rise immediately. Um, but yeah, look, you're right. Right. And I think it's, I think what's interesting is just analyzing the way people react to this, Mm. because like I said, I'm in a few Facebook groups for, for other podcasts and like news societies and stuff like that. And a lot of people, I don't. I don't understand why some people will be very defensive all of a sudden for like you know going oh you know these guys who just arrived from Victoria and Melbourne uh, in, in Queensland they're being supportive. It's like all right, well why aren't we being consistent across the board? Like why doesn't these me- why don't these media outlets go as hard when they're naming and shaming these two girls with these other people? Like like I said, I mean ultimately the one thing you have to ask for, I think personally, is consistency whether if you name and shame someone, you have to do it. You have to be consistent across the board. If you're going to talk about, if you're going to react to someone or react to how, you know, these two girls from Melbourne in terms of what they've done. Sorry, from Queensland who came back to, uh, from Queensland, who went to Melbourne, mm-hmm. if you're going to react to them in a certain way, you have to react the same way to the other people who break the laws in this case, because otherwise it, it natural, naturally people are going to go out and look and say, this is has very high race, like racism undertones or race undertones. Um, you make, I think you make a really valid point around the, the fact that they're young. Mm. I think that's really interesting, but if anything, shouldn't that also, you know, like again, they're adults. They're over, over 18 and, and two of them are 21. They, they should know better. Absolutely. But they are kids at the end of the day, right? Like, you know, early, early twenties, are they mm. the right ones to be making a, a subject of? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I,
1: look, I don't, I don't think so. I think, um, you know, there's also a lot of confusion with COVID as well. Like some things are okay, other things aren't okay. We always we also don't know, you know, I try to learn more about the circumstances for them going back home, like, you know, um, other things that aren't reported on that had a bit of urgency for them to go back home that they would risk mm. um, you know, risk going and crossing the border. You know, were they are they ineligible for job keeper, for example, or I know, like, I think one, one's a teacher and one's, I think, potentially like a hospitality worker or something like that. Mm-hmm. So look, we don't know the full extent of their personal situation and some would argue that you would probably disregard um, health advice because your own personal situation is I need to work or I need to take care of family or whatever things pop up. So I think, you know, there are probably missing uh, pieces to the story which of course we probably won't hear or we may not hear. Mm. Um, but I definitely agree with your point is if you're going to be very headstrong and say, we're going to make an example of one set of people, like one group of people, you got to be blanket you've got to do it for everyone else. Otherwise there's a hole in your logic and your the real reason for your logic is there's a racist undertone or there's like an ageist undertone.
0: So I think you've got to be consistent across the board. I think you made a really good point, which I think I want to sort of wrap up on is the fact that during COVID it's, we're, we're all feeling uncertain. We're all feeling unsure. There are so many things affecting all of us. Like Mm -hmm. we mentioned earlier, how we had a, you know, a small gathering with some mates of ours to try and release some of that energy that we are all feeling pent up, you know, over the, with the restrictions and everything in mind, these guys obviously went to a party in Victoria had a bit of a thing down there with you know they it mixed with people who had COVID came back again not I'm not at all making any excuses I want to make that pretty clear like mm-hmm. I don't think either of us are trying to say that this anything that they've done there's no sympathy for what they've done and the fact that they have you know escalated COVID cases. In Queensland, for example, but I think, you know, we just don't know so much about how certain people are, are taking it in. And I like the one thing I will feel sympathetic for is that now these girls have got maybe possibly death threats. They've got possible hate mail. They've got heaps of, you know, abuse, I'm sure. And a lot of it, you know, a lot of other people who have, who have done things that have breached COVID rules, aren't getting the same penalties. They aren't getting the same, you know, repercussions as these two women of color. And I think it's one thing to call out the crime. Totally, absolutely do that. And we need to be really careful with COVID as we know, but it's another thing as well to call out the process, right? To call out the fact that the way that these two, you know, women, young women have been treated is wrong by the media. Like they shouldn't have been named. Um, they shouldn't have had their, their, their pictures put on the front page. One thing I noticed a lot on social media, was that because the pictures were put up online and in physical format, people were, you know, because they, people almost got this free card to mm. have a go at their physical features. You know, they were having go at specific features to do with their physical appearance because of their background. Let me just say that. Uh, I'm not going to go into details. Mm. I don't want to, I don't really want to talk about it that much. People just had free reign, right? Because they committed this crime. People had free reign Yet, you know, this guy who was traveling in the back of a fucking truck and (laughs) sneaks into a, you know, into the state that way. We're never going to see his name. We're never going to see a photo of him. We're never going to see, you know, any details about him online. I think that's the biggest tragedy with this story.
1: All right, gods. For this segment, I want to talk about a little app. You may or may not have heard of it. It's called TikTok. Uh, huge craze at the moment, target markets, probably like teens and early Mm twenties. I reckon you and I probably just on like the very fringe of that, of that audience. Um, And it's always been an app that hasn't left the news cycle. Like there's always been something that they've sort of been um, in the spotlight for this particular instance. It's around the data that they store. Now this Primarily comes from Western countries, so like here in Australia and the yeah. US, who have concerns that because TikTok is owned by ByteDance, which is a Chinese-based company, that if the Chinese government, if they ever so wished, to access that user data, they could tap ByteDance on the shoulder, say fork it over, and they would have access to, uh, I think, millions of users who yeah. use that here um, TikTok here and in the US. I'm not sure, particularly if it's a national security thing, um, because I'm not sure of how valuable their user data is to the Chinese government. Like, I'm sure uh, if they were to hack, you know, the US or Australia for other sensitive information, it wouldn't be the data of teenagers. What, mm. What's your particular take on that?
0: Yeah. Like you, I think you sort of touched on it there a little bit. TikTok have sort of never really been able to shake this privacy thing. I think mm. like, you know, it's grown like wildfire, right? Like it's massive now, like maybe gone and it's it's definitely eclipsed Snapchat. It's, it's borderline eclipse, at least for like that younger demographic, like Instagram stories and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's massive. Right. And I think at the moment it's one of those things where you look at it and you think, this is the only thing that's really holding them back. I think from becoming and just exploding into the, you know, this beast that can't be held back. Mm. Um, and I look, I think it's an interesting one with the data because you know, it's definitely relevant, right? Like it's a lot of people on there at the moment from, you know, although we, we mentioned there's some, uh, you know, young, it's mainly for younger people. I've seen plenty of dads. I've seen plenty of mums. like, you know, older politicians and, you know, people like that all on this platform. So there's a lot of data mm. on there at the end of the day. Like, you know, I know, um, AOC in the American sort of like, um, government, she's, she's on there. Yeah. Um, and she's got a big platform. I've seen like Gordon Ramsay on there. So there's some people with some platforms and I'm sure like a more diverse audience than perhaps we think. Um, but I will say that I, th- I think it's an interesting one from a data point of view because I did a bit of digging and apparently what they can collect as far as yeah. uh, an article that I read on the BBC says is that they can get obviously the data on v- which videos people are watching and what they're commenting on. That's pretty stock standard. They can get your location data, which again, sort of maybe is a little bit... S- standard these days. Um, They can get your phone model, your operating system used and the keystroke rhythms uh, that people use when they type, right? So like Mm. the formulas of how people type. Now, it's interesting, right? Because the whole thing around, you know, how do you use that for something like advertising things that like, I guess are often quite You, you hear about what the data is and you're like, Oh, that's all right. That's fine. But they manipulate often simple data collects to, you know, misconstrue that for advertising purposes, or maybe in this case, you know, we're talking about security concerns and mm. I'm not sure how ByteDance, Byte right? Who, who owned this company. Correct. Yeah. Or, or operate or what they're liable to offering or giving the, the Chinese government, right? Because you mentioned that, you know, they have this one state party and all this type of stuff. Mm. Do they have to give up? Like if the Chinese government came to TikTok <laughs> and said, listen, give us bloody the, give us the keys, give us the keys to the data room. That's the end of the story would they have to give it over? I'm not too sure, but definitely the, the vibe you get from China is a lot of mystery around them, right? Like it's yeah. very mysterious. So you never quite know with, with what could, what they could get and what they could, what they have to give out.
1: Yeah. And look, and the thing with, um, Byte Dance, right. Is TikTok is actually like the international version of the app. So, you know, mm. it was a uh, Originally, it was the app musically that people, you know, did those lip syncing videos to. They bought it out and they rebranded it as TikTok and then pushed it internationally. They've got a domestic version for TikTok, uh, for China. So there's a bit of a already separate uh, separation of users there where if the Chinese government want their domestic, you know, what are the Chinese citizens doing they can probably access to that data. And then TikTok, which is all for the international markets, is a little bit separate. And they've already come out and they've said, you know, most of the uh, data held for their uh, international users are offshore. So there's not a lot of assets held in China that the Chinese government could um, access very easily. And I guess, yeah, I mean, your point around if the government really wanted the data, that could they could probably get it. I would probably want the same thing for every other country, right? Like if the US... Yeah. Uh, said to Facebook, you know, we need the starter, it would very much undermine the power of the government if Facebook said, nah, can't do that, you know? Mm. So I, I sort of think, and that's, that's probably the interesting thing about this conversation is uh, every sort of like national security point you could potentially make about TikTok, could you not make for Facebook or Google or any other sure. tech giant? So is the only real difference here between all these companies is TikTok is Chinese-owned,
0: yeah, that's a great point. I think there was a there was a case recently. It might have even been in Australia where. Um, certain social media and and like digital platforms had to give up information in regarding regarding like a specific court case that was going on, Mm. like there was certain data. I can't remember for life for me what it was, but yeah, that's a good point. Like they had to end up giving up that IP, giving up that information to provide info into a court case. So yeah, I think there's no doubt a bit of that propaganda side of, of China, right? Where there's no doubt a massive, case against China right now from the West Mm. on the back of COVID, right? So we do, that is definitely worth keeping that in mind. Like, I think there's definitely this, this, you know, the, the Western societies are coming together to try and undermine China when, where they can. Um, like I, I, remember reading in this article, this BBC, same BBC article was that one of the guys, like the heads of like public policy for TikTok mm. about saying like, you know, we're not, we don't, we're not under the rule of the thumb of like the Chinese government. We don't have to give up any information to them. You know, it's not like they can just go say blah, 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 and they have to give it up. So again, it, it all adds to this, this potential mystery around the app where you're like, you you make a good point. It's any social media sort of application or company probably would have to give up information mm. with controversial stuff so maybe it's because it's it is also just Chinese that people go oh okay it's a bit questionable um but it, it definitely it's hard to it's hard for me to go yet yeah, it's right or yeah it's wrong if you know what I mean
1: yeah look and obviously it's a very like nuanced thing I think there are just other factors at play that kind of scream to me that it's more than just like a national security thing. Like uh, I think you hit it on the head. There's a lot of tension with us and China at the moment and Trump for the love of him is just not a big fan of China Mm. at the moment. So this feels like a potential um, sort of like casualty in the crossroads uh, and the crossfire of these two countries. Um, The, the, one of the interesting, that I think, sorry, one of the things that came about that made me feel like this is more of a Beef with China, sort of issue, is um, Microsoft actually in the play to buy TikTok, right? And so part mm. of the deal of Microsoft buying it would be they would have access to the Australian users, New Zealand users, Canada, and United States. I think like basically all the Western users, right? I just okay. just of it. And then Trump came out and said, "Oh yeah, that sounds cool. Easy." let you know, like he basically endorsed the deal. So, you know, mm. the moment that TikTok potentially becomes a US owned asset, there are no more issues. So I think yeah. that part, like that particular um, development in this sort of story made me feel like more that it's just a bit of um, beef with China. It's not really the, the underlying thing. is not a national security issue.
0: Hmm. Yeah. The, I mean, that's interesting. And we have seen all this talk about Microsoft potentially buying them out and, and you, you, when rumors like that start to happen, it, it often builds a lot of momentum quite quickly. Right. Mm. Um, and the only thing from, I guess, maybe like, and it's maybe not necessarily a security thing. It's more of a, again, like a propaganda thing or, or a content censorship thing is for me, is like, you know, I remember when TikTok was a bit more in its infancy, at least in Australia, there was some talk about, you know, people putting up content, for example, that was related to, um, you know, Muslim Uyghurs in the country and stuff like that. For life, I hope I pronounced that right. But, you know, different things that are happening in China, which go, you know, maybe shed light on some of the more fucked up things that are happening in the country. And then, you know, naturally those types of, content were removed and considered political. So they were taken down and you could argue that that's a a pretty serious form of censorship. Um, So stuff like that, I'm a bit more inclined to believing and saying that stuff that I'd be more worried about with like China. Like, I mean, I'm assuming they have the discretion at the end Mm. of the day to pull like what content goes up and what content comes down like they ultimately can decide that so maybe that's a bit more of if i had to pick a concern it would be that as opposed to the national security stuff
1: yeah and look so that's a good point i know earlier when um uh tiktok was sort of in the spotlight for for just being tiktok um some memos came out that basically show that they censored Content around the um, Hong Kong rights as well, mm, so yeah, that yeah. was kind of censored on the app. And they've also had they don't have a particular good history with minority groups where they filtered out, I think, transgendered content because mm, it wasn't considered yeah. like appealing. So um, the content monitoring piece is a is a good um, point to this discussion. And it, the only other thing I would say is uh, in the US at the moment, TikTok is a big uh, platform that teenagers use to sort of say, mm. um, draw out Trump's kind of shortcomings <laughs> and, you know, his presidency isn't particularly great. So I think part of this discussion is, do you want it to have a, do you want TikTok to be U S owned? So you can content, so you So you can censor content in the U S as opposed to it being Chinese, con, uh, censored content, you know, like if, uh, Microsoft own it and then Trump puts a, a bit of pressure on Microsoft to say, make me look good on my pla- on this platform. Do they have to follow that advice? Mm.
0: It's it's so unregulated. Like the whole thing with with social media streams, right? Is that in its mm. infancy when they when they're like somewhat small or in their in their early days of like success, there's less rules and regulations around it. Right? As mm. life goes on, like we see with like influencers, right? On Instagram, now they have quite a few rules they have to to partake in, to, you know, post like say sponsored content that God put an ad in the post and whatever. And that's only comes from, you know, years of the, po- of the platform becoming popular and there may be being some issues with it. So we're starting to see that now, I think with TikTok, right? Where it's had this big boom of, of popularity and success. Mm-hmm. And now people are starting to question some of the rules and the regulations and, and what has to be done. And, you know, TikTok have just made it like, I've just launched a, a pretty decently sized office here in Sydney. They've got yes, expanding yeah. all over the world. Um, so now they're sort of having to deal with, I think, a bit of the regulation and a bit of the, the not, not necessarily the backlash, but like just the questions that have to do with the app. And it's interesting. You make a good point because a big part of tiktok has been that sort of like almost rebellion sense of the app you know mm-hmm. where like young people feel like they have this voice they control like you saw trump's rally right where they apparently throw people into going bought tickets <laughs> oh, yeah. didn't turn up and stuff which is which was quite funny and, and good on them but yeah like you said if. Trump sort of gets involved with Microsoft to potentially buy this out, do algorithms change, do, you know, the ability to sort of do big PR stunts like that, where, you know, it can influence political events. Mm. Does that, does that impact lessen? Perhaps. And I think it's like, where do you, yeah. Like where do you draw the line? I think ultimately it's going to be political one way or another, you know, like it's just going to be.
1: Yeah. And so I guess it really comes down to like, who holds the power. And so my last piece, I actually read, I listened to a, um, a podcast about this, um, on Wired and they made the point of, we're sort of cherry picking our national security discussion here because no one has any concern about iPhones being made in China where they own the (laughs) hardware and (laughs) ship it out to the countries. You know, it's, it's a very cherry picked argument here. And I think the root of this is Um, Western countries can't control basically a tech giant now, right? Like TikTok Mm. rivals, as you said, they rival Facebook, they rival um, any other platform, but they're owned by a country that the US can't influence or we can't influence. And that means we can't influence the discourse that happens on the platform. So I think part of this is also just like a content um, sort of curating sort of question where you can't, you can't uh, prevent your politicians from facing any backlash from the users because you can't remove that from the platform.
0: Yeah. No, I've got my all great points. And I think data for me is one of those things where I feel, I guess like I'm personally one of those people who is not like super concerned about where my data is as bad as that is probably to say, like <laughs> I'm signed on to like 50,000 things. Like oh, I know my, And I actively participate. Like I'd rather get served. I mean, maybe because I work in fucking advertising, but I'd rather get served ads that are more relevant to me than random ones. Like for example, right? So I often Mm. opt into like certain programs and stuff. Like I don't, not really too fussed about it. I, I sort of, figure out, I get the idea that if I'm signed up for all this stuff, if I have all these applications, if I have laptops and phones, like my data is out there and it's, you know, I guess just how do you regulate it and feel comfortable and feel secure in that sense? Because on one hand you can go, data is massive for these types of companies. It's literally Mm -hmm. how they make commercial decisions. It's, it's how they, you know, we're talking about data potentially being provided to governments like that's huge. We saw with that whole, what was it? The Facebook, um, what was it Cambridge called? Analytica. Cambridge, that's it. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Cambridge Analytica stuff. That was huge. And a massive, I think shakeup for like social media and the fact that how often does that probably happen? Probably more than we know, like yeah. that s- scale of like data breach and data stuff. So on one hand, I'm like, okay, data's out there. Data's going to be part of it. We just have to give our data out. That's, that's part of life and tech being in this tech world. But on the other hand, you know, you look at some of the grim realities, like, yeah, okay, you know, iPhones are built in China and stuff like that. And you can cherry pick, some of this information and some of this, Mm. this data and stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like they're all valid points in terms of they could have more of an impact when it comes to these political decisions in terms of where's your data being stored? How does that data used to not used against you, but used to sell you shit and used to inform political decisions? Like, like you said, could, if Trump is involved with like the purchase of TikTok via Microsoft How does, does that potentially impact things like elections Mm. that we've got coming up in, you know, the end of the year, maybe?
1: Yeah. Look, it's, uh, I think that's a a very big consideration. And the really upsetting thing I find is government sort of like trying to regulate tech companies is a bit of a piss take. So (laughs) at the moment there's these antitrust hearings in the U S and they've had two meetings so far. It's basically the Congress, with the CEOs, So they had the CEO of Apple, Amazon, Google, and Facebook I'm trying to ask him all the big questions. Mm. I didn't listen to the whole thing. It's a six hour session, right? Six cool. hours with these CEOs. They had one, uh, two weeks ago. And then I think a second session just last week. Mm. And you read the summaries of these big sessions and it's just a piss take because nothing's happened. You know, mm. they, they try and tell these anti, uh, trust sessions, to um instill a bit of confidence that the government's in control but it, you hear these like, congress people asking um oh why doesn't my ads come up when i post <laughs> them on my like they ask me they just oh. it's a lot of vested interest and nothing in the interest of the uh, of the whole country so i think the thing that kind of concerns me is sure we might have this security issue debate for days But ultimately, it's, you know, a tech company just becoming bigger than the government and no one actually doing anything to try and bring them into line. So, sure, it might be a Chinese-owned tech company, it might be a U.S. tech company, and they can be as big as they bloody hell want, and there's no one really there to regulate them. I think that's a bigger concern of if they're in China, if they're in the U.S., or if they're even here in Australia. It doesn't matter where they're based. I think the bigger issue let's gets swept aside is how do we regulate them and keep them in check?
0: Mm. You're hundred percent right. And, and the regulation question is something we've spoken about on the podcast. The one thing I would say in finishing is mm. I think all of these people involved, right? TikTok politicians, governments, they're just all in it for their own interest, right? They do not give a shit about anyone. Like the, I just, I think corp, corporations, for example, TikTok. Yeah. Okay. They're going to say, no, nah, no, nah, data's fine. Blah, blah, blah. They're just going to use that data to advertise towards you, to increase their commercial position, to, you know, um, increase their time on that using the app, et cetera. These guys, like you mentioned, these guys in government asking questions at a six hour hearing only want to see why their ads aren't appearing. They didn't care about <laughs> you. They don't actually give a shit about you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and the same thing goes for like guys like, uh, you know, Trump and stuff. My, microsoft why are they buying out apps like this they're only interested in increasing their market share in increasing their sets their amount of votes at mm-hmm. the you know at the booth like ultimately all these people involved with with decisions like this companies corporations Government, they just have so too many vested interests, in my opinion. They just care about themselves, really, a lot of the time and not too much else. But they'll spin it, they'll spin the PR, <laughs> they'll spin the PR horse to make it seem like they've got you and your data and your privacy at the forefront of their interests. But I just don't buy into it a lot of the time. So that's why I'm a bit more, you know, nonchalant and definitely take a lot of this stuff with a grain of salt because we can we can delve into it and we can talk about it and we can you know make our theories about what what you know reasons are these decisions are made but there's a, there's definitely a, i think a selfishness behind all of them 100%. From, you know these brands and, and governments
1: yeah and look i think the the last point i make on this is if you really want to ban tiktok go ahead but i think you got to apply the blanket rule to all the other apps otherwise you just you know you're just poking fun at a chinese own government and you're <laughs> probably a little bit of a racist for doing so but that's probably. my final
0: point on that i mean look you definitely digress on that point but i think <laughs> overall just be consistent if there's an episode if there's a, a moral to this podcast episode oh, yes everyone be fucking consistent in shit you do if you're going to be a consistently shit person don't try and be a good person like every one day <laughs> of the week you know you're just shit well, look, it's a, it's a nice way to to wrap up because we are hitting that hour mark. Scotty, thanks so much for being on the potty. Uh, as per usual, everyone listening, you can follow us on our usual Facebooks and, uh, and Facebook and social media spots, I should say. Got there eventually. So Facebook, you've got our Trends and Tings podcast group. You give that a search. Uh, we're at Trends and Tings on Twitter and Instagram. And if you're following us on all our little spots, we'll be sharing a little bit more content, hopefully, um, across all of our different channels in anticipation uh, for future uh, episodes as well. Scotty, we've got some big guests coming up, some really exciting ones. So everyone stay tuned. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week. See you, everyone.